happening? A good Monday to all of you. Thanks for joining me as always. It is much appreciated. A special one-hour edition of the show today. A power hour with you. A lot to cover. We're going to cover all of it. So let's get started. I want to get started with yesterday in the end scene of what we saw. In really just a general vibe at Gillette Stadium for what many believe Bill Belichick's final game was as head coach of the Patriots. And really, it was just sad. It was a sad scene. The place was mostly empty, especially by the fourth quarter. You had a number of empty seats. You had a very quiet crowd, even as Belichick left the field. A very quiet, understated crowd. You had the Jets making snow angels on the field, which was just not what you wanted to see. As the final visual of Belichick's tenure here with the Patriots, if it was the final day of him coaching this team on the field. The Jets winning their first game in forever against the Patriots. And really, yesterday was the prototypical game where Belichick would outclass the other coaching staff, that the Patriots would find another way, right? Throughout his long history here in New England, yesterday was the kind of game that he would take advantage of. But of course, in a lost season, the game was lost. Empty seats, quiet crowd, snow angels from the freaking Jets. We wondered if there was going to be some kind of walk-off from Belichick. I joked last week about Hulk Hogan, right? I wanted Belichick to, to rip the shirt off and give the old, let me hear you to the crowd as he walked. That, that wasn't going to happen. It was a joke. It was never going to happen. But I at least hoped for maybe a nice little wave, some kind of salute. I was hoping the crowd would be cheering for him as he walked off, and we really never saw any of it or heard any of it. It was just a simple, regular walk-off from Bill Belichick. Nothing different. No wave, no Hulk, ski mask, bundled up, no fanfare, just walked off the field quietly. And really, that's an awkward situation, right? But what else would you expect with the way Belichick came into New England and left the New York Jets? It was very awkward. So he was as awkward leaving the field as he was awkward walking into this organization, if that was the last time. Tuan jumps in and says, if Bill stays, Kraft is literally giving the finger to the fans. I think a lot of fans feel that way right now. I think a lot of fans feel like if Robert Kraft does not say goodbye to Bill Belichick over the next couple of days, as I would imagine they're meeting right now, and we'll get into that meeting in a couple of minutes. But if Robert Kraft does not wave goodbye to Belichick, I think a lot of fans would be upset. I actually asked yesterday on X slash Twitter, you could follow me at Nick C Radio. I asked yesterday on a poll question, what do you want to see more as a fan? Like, how do you feel as a fan right now watching this game? Do you want them to lose for the pick? Or do you want them to win for Belichick? Almost 73% of the people that replied to that poll said they were looking at the pick. Weeks ago, I posted, would you rather fire Belichick or keep Belichick if those were your two options? 70% of the people said fire Belichick. So I think the majority of fans, maybe even the vast majority of Patriots fans, feel like this is the end. This is what has to happen. Kraft has to say goodbye. John Christian jumps in. Man, that game was a stinker. I had the game as background noise while doing other computer work. Very sad. It was brutal. It, it, was, it was a brutal, boring, terrible end to a brutal, boring, terrible season. That's what it was. Charles Green, my guy, what do you think happens in that meeting? We will get into the meeting. Details about the meeting, expectations of the meeting. We will get into that in just a couple of minutes. Patrick jumps in and says the Glazer thing with Belichick done at the beginning of the Fox broadcast says it all he's done. And I know Felger was on that last night saying you would not have seen all of those things being said and all the video being shown of Belichick and what he accomplished in New England. You would not have seen that unless Fox knew that Belichick indeed was gone. So that was Felger's take on it. So I want your thoughts. Continue to throw those comments in. We're going an hour long today. One hour edition of the show to talk all things Patriots. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. I see somebody on Facebook already did. I appreciate that. More thumbs means more eyeballs. So more likes. If you're watching on YouTube, just click that thumbs up button. It means an awful lot to us. Comment and subscribe as well. Always appreciate the feedback. And if you're listening on uh, Spotify or Apple Pods, 
Don't forget to rate and review. All right, so let's get to the press conferences. The game stunk. The walk-off really was nothing. So let's get to the press conference. I don't know if Belichick was sad. I don't know if Belichick was disappointed. I don't know if Belichick was just a little bit under the weather as I have been the last several days. I don't know if Belichick was just resigned to the fact that this was it. And I know my guy Patrick on X said that he felt like Belichick was resigned yesterday. But something was different about that press conference. Bill just seemed like he was down. He just seemed like he knew the inevitable was about to happen. He really came across as somebody who had the hatchet above his neck getting ready to get dropped, the guillotine. That's how it felt. That's how it looked. I did find it interesting that Belichick noted Robert Kraft at the very beginning of his postgame press conference yesterday. He said, quote, as far as the future goes, I'll sit down with Robert as I do every year at some point at the end of the season. We'll talk about things as we always do. I'm sure that'll happen, but that's all I have to say about that right now. It was really more than I expected. And maybe that's just because I have such low expectations for any Bill Belichick press conference. And yes, we will get into what he said this morning. I want to cover that as well. But it was more than I expected. Nothing to take from the actual words, but the idea that he would even mention the meeting yesterday after the game was interesting. But he mostly told us what we knew. When Belichick was asked about Bailey Zappi in a quarterback competition, I found this response more telling than the beginning of the presser. Belichick said, quote, moving forward, that's a whole nother conversation about everything. Now, I don't want to read into it that much, but that was not a we just played the game deflection. That was not the standard Bill Belichick that we're used to. He could have easily answered the quarterback question, say, uh, you know, that that's for next year. That's that's down the road. I'm not worried. But when he said moving forward, that's a whole nother conversation about everything. I felt like he was laying some groundwork, and I think he continued to do that today. Bringing up everything within the quarterback conversation, it just felt like a precursor to the Robert Kraft meeting. Belichick on coaching. Would he want to continue to coach? He said, quote, I like coaching the team. I like preparing the team, game planning, coaching on Sundays, but the results weren't good, and none of us are happy with those. The only way that Bill Belichick retires is if he's forced to retire. Belichick wants to continue to coach. He loves what he's doing. He, he is absolutely obsessed with game planning and the intricacies of the game. He is not going to retire unless nobody wants him. And I don't think that's going to be the case, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I also found it pretty interesting that the first thing in Belichick's mind were the things that he actually does well. Preparing the team, game planning. Even coaching on Sundays, you could say that Bill Belichick is still a good coach. And I thought it was fascinating. He didn't mention personnel. He didn't mention any of that kind of stuff. He just mentioned the game planning. He mentioned preparing the team. And everybody, according to all the reports that I've read, will tell you that Belichick is still top-notch when it comes to preparation, still top-notch when it comes to game planning. He can still sit his team down and tell them precisely what to expect on any given Sunday. So it was interesting that he mentioned those things that he loves to do. And I think that also led into what he had to say earlier today, which, again, we will get to in a couple of minutes. Back to some thoughts. Matthew Wilson jumped in and says, Nick, yesterday needs to be the last day for Belichick in New England. Otherwise, it will get worse. I do think many people feel that way. I think many people feel like Belichick staying here, things will only get worse. Kevin Dreamy Williams jumps in and says, a sigh of relief. How'd you feel watching that game yesterday? How'd you feel with the walk-off? How are your emotions? It was a little weird. It was weird when I was sitting there thinking about, man, the last time that Bill Belichick wasn't the coach of the Patriots, I wasn't allowed to legally drink. It was only a few years since I had been driving. It's kind of insane, right? How many of you have had children? Many of you have had, have had children grow up with Bill Belichick. You have children that were born, grew up, and now they're legally able and allowed to drink alcohol. They're allowed to vote. They're allowed to get into the army. I mean, that it's just stunning when you put things into real-life perspective of how long he's been doing what he's been doing. Smart Name says, I think fans are quite divided, to be honest. Some fear the what if. 
I don't know if they're divided. I, I don't think it's a 50-50. I would really feel like it's a 70-30. Now, maybe some are feeling different, smart name. Maybe they're feeling different today because the reality is kind of sinking in and they watched and they're, and they're having all of these memories and it's difficult to say goodbye. Like any relationship that you have, the closer you get to a break, the more difficult it gets. But I really honestly believe that the majority of people, the majority of people feel like the time has come. It's time to go. Rich Don 8 jumps in. Made me sick how well Jacoby Myers played yesterday. Oh, Jacoby had two touchdowns. DeAndre Hopkins had a touchdown. And uh, Taylor Rapp also had the AFC East ceiling pick. And if you remember, uh, Belichick had Myers, let him walk, had D-Hop in the building, let him walk away, and had Taylor Rapp in the building. So there you go. Rob Landry says, damn it, I'm late. You're not too late, Rob. We just got started. Going to go a full hour here today, a full hour of the Nick Cattle Show. Don't forget to click that like button. More likes means more eyeballs. Let's build this community. And don't forget to subscribe. I'd love to get to 1,500 subscriptions by the end of this month. And I'm telling you right now, the next couple of months is going to be bananas. Between the Belichick decision, the future of the head coach slot, the GM, we talk draft, we talk free agency. I will be prepared. I will be researched. I will be genuine. I will be as credible as credible can be, given the information that I find. You want it right here, Nick Cattle Show. Give us that thumbs up. If Belichick is done, here's one thing I will say. And I know many of you might say, really? Yes, really. Thank you. Thank you for the wins. Thank you for the championships. Thank you for the not one dynasty, but two dynasties. Thank you for the credibility that you built within New England as a football organization. Thank you for the respectability that, that you forced people to have upon this program. For the most part, you'll always have those Bella cheat people, whatever. Thank you for the memories. You know, I was in Atlanta to witness after paying my ass to get a ticket to watch the final Super Bowl of Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman as New England Patriots. I, I was there to witness that. And I think I'm going to say now a week from today, when all is said and done, that I was there to witness Bill Belichick's last Super Bowl win as a Patriots head coach. I remember when they beat the Rams, the greatest show on turf. I was at URI at the time. As a matter of fact, the night I met a girlfriend. Now, we didn't last. I married Kelly. Very happy about that. But I sat there. I remember. I remember the keg party I was at in college watching that game. I remember watching the Panthers Super Bowl in the basement of my friend's place. I remember watching the Eagles Super Bowl, the first one, when they actually won, not the Butler one. Watching that in the basement with buddies, having some beers and having snacks and, and watching the game. As a matter of fact, I remember watching that first Eagles Super Bowl, Donovan McNabb puking all over the place, and I remember looking around the room, and some people were almost bored because they had taken it for granted at that point that the Patriots were just going to win. And I remember saying to myself that night, man, how many of these same people would have been losing their effing minds if this was going back to 2001 before they won against the Rams? So thank you. I've said from the very beginning, I believe that you can criticize Belichick's post-Brady tenure. I believe that you can feel like it's time for Belichick to go without dismissing what he accomplished here in New England. And I am not, for one, going to dismiss what he accomplished. I think he had a heavy hand in what happened here with the Patriots over 20-plus years. And for that, I thank him. If you don't want to do that, hey, you fan the way you want to fan. I'm just telling you how I feel. So when I was watching him walk off the field, there was a moment within me when I felt sad for the whole thing. And I, and I had to thank Belichick on Twitter slash X at Nick C Radio if you want to follow me. And I just feel like that's the right way to look at things. You might disagree. I get it. Again, fan the way you want to fan. All right, before we get into the meeting that's happening today, Gregory Brown jumps in, says it's time for Kraft to move on. His coaching is outdated. Edward Butler says the Patriots have a lot of decisions to make. They need to start making them quickly, especially on Bill. And Peter Jacoby jumps in and says 6-3 at the half. That's how Bill wanted to play. <laughs> I've said it all year. Bill Belichick seems like he would love the idea of 16-13 every week. 
He would love it. He would embrace that. He would. Before we get into the meeting that we believe is happening right now between Belichick, Jonathan Kraft, and Robert Kraft, I thought Belichick had a very interesting press conference this morning. And I'm going to break down some of his answers that I found fascinating. First and foremost, Belichick came out and said things need to be fixed and that he's not proud of the results. And I thought from the jump, this was Belichick showing some humility. He's showing some humility, understanding that things need to be fixed. Now, you might say, of course, Nick, it's broken. Everybody sees that. Well, we might all see it, but he might not see it. And how many times have we wanted Belichick to say something to prove to us that he sees something is broken and he won't do it out of stubbornness? So I did find him saying pretty much right off the bat that things need to be fixed and that he wasn't proud of the results. I found that to show some humility from him which has not been a strong suit, as we know. Bill Belichick is not the guy who shows tons of humility. He's not walking around the Gillette facility saying sorry to people all the time. It's just not really how he rolls. This was from Michael Hurley. As far as the transcript, Belichick also said, quote, I'm under contract, going to do what I always do, which is every day I come in, work as hard as I can to help the team and whatever I can, so that's what I'm going to continue to do. Bill Belichick never discusses his contract. Never, ever, 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 ever. Bill Belichick has never discussed his contract while leading the Patriots over the past 20-plus years. This is something that never happens. There's a reason why Bill Belichick talked about his contract today. He never, ever brings it up. He brought it up. I'm under contract, stating I'm here. Whether that's Kraft has to remove me from my spot I want to stay here. However you want to read that, all I'm telling you is Bill Belichick never, ever mentions his contract. He did today. There's a reason for that. There's an absolute reason for that. Gregory Brown, Bill just said he's open to change, including relinquishing the GM role, but I don't trust Bill to not have his hand into the new GM role. All right, so I want to get to what Gregory just mentioned because it was a significant message from Belichick today. Belichick was asked about personnel control. He said, uh, quote, look, I'm for whatever collectively, what we as an organization decide is best for our football team. So Belichick is telling Kraft, I'm open to being head coach and head coach only. He's also letting other teams who might be interested in hiring him know that he's open to being a head coach only. And that's very telling. Again, Belichick has never mentioned the idea of not having personnel control. Never. He's deflected. He's talked about how, you know, he works with other people in the front office. He has never stood in front of the media like he did today. And A, mentioned his contract. And B, mentioned personnel control and the idea that he would at least be open. He would be willing to relinquish personnel control of the football team. Belichick has never never said those two things. He said both of them today within 13 minutes. That is tremendously telling. I'm, uh, it, it, it stands out to me because it flies in the face of how he has always handled the media. Today he showed humility. Today he talked about his contract. And today he talked about giving up personnel. Those are three things that you don't see often, if ever, from Bill Belichick. He talked about collectively. I think that's the olive branch to craft publicly. I'm willing to collectively work with you. Robert, Jonathan, if you think it's time for me to give up personnel, if you think that's what's best for this organization, then I'm open-minded enough to work with you collectively and collaborate to try to make that work. At least that was the message publicly. Is that what's going to happen today behind closed doors? I have no freaking idea, and neither do you. Belichick also said that he met with Kraft during the season but wasn't given an indication if he would be back or not. Belichick asked if he'd want to coach another team. This was also telling. I don't want to get into any hypotheticals. It's not a no. Belichick asked, would you want to coach any other team? He could have easily said, I'm happy here in New England. I want to end my career here in New England. I'm a New England Patriot. He didn't say that. 
He said, I'm not open to any hypotheticals. I don't want to get into any of those hypothetical scenarios. That tells me that Belichick is 100% absolutely unequivocally ready to move on and go to another team if that's what happens. And that was another message I thought to other teams around the league. I'm willing to move. I'm willing to go elsewhere. I'm willing to make a change. He could have shot that down immediately. He could have said, another team, what are we talking about other teams for? I'm here in New England right now. I just coached against the Jets yesterday at Gillette Stadium in front of Patriots fans. But instead, Belichick said, I don't want to get into hypotheticals. Which means that he's open to the idea of coaching somewhere else. I also think it it means that he knows he can get a gig. He knows he can get a gig. There's been backdoor talk. There's been behind-the-scenes conversations. He knows that he can get a gig somewhere else. And we'll get into the idea of Belichick going elsewhere and the latest reports on that. Again, we are here for an hour, a full hour up until noon. Don't go anywhere. We have a lot of details, reports, thoughts, your reaction as well. Give us that thumbs up. If you like what we're doing here with the Nick Cattle Show, we always appreciate the thumbs up because more likes means more eyeballs. If you're watching on Facebook or X or YouTube, give us that like. Comment as well, and don't forget to subscribe, trying to get to 1,500 subscriptions by the end of this month so we can fully run into fully run into the offseason. Coaching changes, GM changes, free agency, draft, we're going to cover it all. We'll have some special guests sprinkled in from pillar to post right here. Keith LaCoy jumps in and says, if Bill is really done, is Vrabel a viable candidate for his replacement? I think he is. We'll get into that a little bit more tomorrow, the Vrabel stuff, because I have a working theory on all of this. But yes, I do think Vrabel is a viable candidate. I do think there's way too much smoke right now you know, surrounding Mike Vrabel to believe that it's an impossible you know, feat to accomplish. I no doubt believe that Mike Vrabel could indeed come here to New England if certain things fall a certain way. I would not, absolutely not, say that that's, you know, something that's kind of far-fetched. Cisco 300, checking in from Victorville. What's up, boys? What's up, Cisco? Nick, my man, what was worse, the weather or the game? Uh, I guess the weather because it was... We haven't we haven't had snow. We hadn't had that kind of weather in a little while. We're used to the Patriots sucking. You know, we're we're used to that offensive slop that we saw, whether in the snow or not. Jim M jumps in. I thought Bill saying he's under contract, man, he's not being fired, but needed to be traded for. It, it, look, you can you can read from it what you want to read from it. It, it could have meant several different things. It could have been I'm under contract, so I'm not going anywhere, Robert. Unless you force me to go somewhere else, we're going to have that conversation. Mano a mano. It could have meant I'm under contract. If you want me, then come get me. You're going to have to work with Robert. It could have meant many different things. Mike Pyle says that uh, he thinks Bill will let some of his power up after his past conference today. It, it, it does certainly seem like Belichick's open to the idea. Now, don't overlook. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Don't overlook. Don't overlook the idea of Belichick understanding that teams elsewhere are not necessarily interested in giving him full power. If Belichick knows that teams are not necessarily interested in giving him full power, then he might be more open like he was today of giving some power up. Makes sense, right? So he could be angling. If Belichick knows that he's either going to be just a head coach here in New England or just a head coach elsewhere, then he might just rather stay here because he has the entire operation working the way he likes the operation to work. David LeBlanc jumps in, says there is a 0% chance Bill is back. The Glazer report was directly from the crass. It feels that way. And I think David brings up a very good point, an interesting point. You know, Jay Glazer, he has very, very high up sources. Remember, Glazer was the one with the film on Spygate. He was the only guy that could get that. Glazer is very, very well sourced, I think, within the NFL offices in New York. I think he has friends in high places. And Jay Glazer doesn't just throw things out there. Now, I know Glazer said, I think. 
But with the graphic of Bill Belichick done behind him and the way that Fox handled that presentation yesterday of the game, it would lead you to believe that. And don't forget this. Jimmy Johnson is also really good friends with Belichick. So the idea of Jay Glazer having high up sources and Jimmy Johnson on the Fox broadcast team, you have to imagine that there was some inside word yesterday within Fox that Belichick is likely gone. And of course, Belichick also, Belichick also talks to the to the broadcast team before the game. All right, we still have a lot to talk about. Mark Foster jumps in and says, look on the bright side, we have the third pick. We will talk about the draft coming up. We will talk about the draft. We will talk about the pick. We are here until noon. If you think the show's wrapping up right now, eh -eh. we're not even halfway through yet. Give us that thumbs up. We have plenty of more to discuss, plenty of your comments to get to. We roll along on this Monday with so much Patriots news and notes. It might just make your head implode. Hopefully, it doesn't. Back to Belichick's presser this morning. Uh, He did a usual Belichick thing. I will say he took minimal responsibility for things, certain things. He didn't want to take any responsibility for, like, the Mac Jones quarterback situation. He was asked about 4-13, and and he said that he was, you know, only a part of that process. So he did kind of inch away from things. All right, let's get to the meeting today. Insiders, Adam Schefter, says that he leans out regarding Belichick returning. Jonathan Jones, not the cornerback, the guy who is the NFL insider for CBS, says that he was pretty much unsure. Okay. And again, we just talked about Jay Glazer saying that he thinks Belichick is gone. Here was Mark Daniels from Mass Live on the meeting that was supposed to happen today. The meeting, according to a source, probably won't be quick. Historically, Belichick and Kraft have met for multiple days following the conclusion of a season. Belichick today said that this might be a series of meetings. So this might not be a one and done, folks. If you're thinking that Belichick's going to get fired today, he might not get fired today. I mean, he might not get fired at all. But this might be a two-day process, three-day process. This might drag out a little bit. Daniels writes, there's an avenue for Belichick to return next season. He talks about ceding some control, allowing Kraft to hire somebody else to run the Patriots front office. And again, I thought that messaging started today from Belichick at the presser. If Belichick admits his wrongs, sets out a path to correct them, and offers to help usher in a new era following his retirement, that could lead Kraft to begin the six-time Super Bowl champion coach uh, back or bring him back. All right, so a couple thoughts. Again, don't forget your comments. Throw them in as we go along here. Uh, theoretically, I don't think it's a bad idea. Theoretically, just to have Belichick focus on game planning, focus on in-game scenarios, give up front office, give up the offense, give up all of that to other people and not get involved and not meddle. I think theoretically it's a good idea. But as we've talked about, as we've talked about here, is it practical? What is the practicality of allowing Belichick to still be in the building give up the personnel control, give up the offensive side, and think that he's not going to meddle into things. If you read the Boston Herald story that we covered here last week, you can check out the pod. It's on the channel. I would suggest you do so. The Andrew Callahan story with Doug Kide, if you read that story, it would tell us that Belichick is not ready to stop meddling, that it's within his nature to be a micromanager. And you also have to look at the staff management. Would Belichick be open to the idea of allowing somebody like Bill O'Brien to hire his own staff? Would Bill Belichick be okay with giving up Troy Brown and Vinny Sinceri and Cam Acord and Joe Judge in the list of coaches that Belichick has, I think, really done favors for because they're in the circle of his in this in his circle of trust? Is he willing to give up all of that? I just I find it hard to believe that Bill Belichick is going to be willing to give up not only personnel control, but say over his staff. I find it hard that he's going to just align with the principles of a general manager that comes in from the outside. If you bring somebody in like a John Robinson from Tennessee or a Tom Dimitrov or any of these other names, even Adam Peters in San Francisco, he worked with Belichick back in the day. Even if you bring in somebody from yesteryear, that's going to pretty much be Bill's shop to run, even if he tells you differently. Here's my opinion on this. 
because we still have to get to the draft talk, and I still want to get into the interest about Belichick around the league. There's been a lot, a lot over the past couple of days that have been thrown out there. I mean, there's so many rumors about interest in Belichick over and over and over and over and over again. We continue to see people tweet out things, say things on TV, write things, say things on you know the radio about how there's interest from this team, that team, and every other team. We'll get into that in a minute. But here's my opinion. Kraft knows that Belichick's gone. I think Kraft has known Belichick was going to be gone for for a while now. I think this is going to be about the exit. I, I think these meetings are about the exit. And I think still, I still think Robert Kraft wants compensation for Belichick to leave. Is it going to happen? I can't guarantee it. I can't tell you if it's likely or an absolute. But I feel with every fiber of my being that Robert Kraft and Jonathan Kraft want compensation for Belichick. And I think these meetings are those conversations. That's my opinion. And don't overlook Jonathan Kraft in this process, folks. We've talked about Robert being sentimental. We've talked about Robert being emotional. Jonathan Kraft is not his dad. Jonathan Kraft is not sentimental. Jonathan Kraft is a little bit icy from what people have said regarding Belichick and what's going on here. And Jonathan is the consigliere, so to speak, to Robert. Don't overlook Jonathan Kraft's involvement in this meeting and his influence. Jonathan Kraft could be the impact here. He could be the difference maker. He could order the code red. So do not overlook the fact that Jonathan Kraft is going to be in these meetings with his father and Bill Belichick. Because Jonathan, in the middle of Robert and Belichick reminiscing or whatever, and maybe if he feels daddy's getting a little sentimental, Jonathan could jump in and say, look, we got to move on, Bill. So do not overlook that. Also, don't overlook the thumbs up if you're on YouTube. We're going live here. Power Hour edition of the Nick Cattle Show, all things Patriots. Give us that thumbs up. More thumbs means more eyeballs. Comment and subscribe. Looking to get to 1,500 subscriptions by the end of January. If you're listening on Spotify and Apple Pods, please do us a favor. Rate and review. JD comes in. Belichick, the coach, is indeed tops. Belichick would need a very tough GM to fight him off internally. Ultimately, this is not Belichick's team. It is Kraft's. I think Kraft wants his team back. A little bit of a feel, right? A little bit of a feel for that. Beer me, Jesus. It was surreal and kind of sad watching the game and what could be an end of the era. I, I agree. I mean, I've been ready to move on from Belichick. We talked about it last week. I would move on from Belichick. But watching it yesterday, going through the emotions, all the memories, all the wins, the six Super Bowl championships, the, the nine Super Bowl appearances, I did get wrapped up a little bit yesterday watching that and him walk off the field. It's going to be so weird. It doesn't mean that you're not ready for it, but it's going to be really weird if somebody else is coaching the Patriots next year. It's been 20-plus years. James jumps in, was thinking yesterday that the next coach should be able to coach in the Northeast weather conditions. Interesting. Very interesting. Could he adapt? Could they adjust? Do they know what how, you know how to handle that kind of thing? I think it's a general philosophy. I think most coaches hopefully can figure that out. Donald jumps in. Complicated situation. So much respect. Extremely thankful for everything Belichick has done for us, but I do believe a new offensive mindset needs to be in place regardless. All right, we'll continue with your thoughts, your comments. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. If Belichick is gone, is there interest? We told you that there have been some people. There have been some people, whether it's fans, media, whatever, some people have been saying over the past couple of months that Bill Belichick, there's not going to be much value in Bill Belichick. They don't know if there's going to be much interest in Belichick. He's older than 70, this and that, everything else. Look what he's done over the past you know, couple of years. I have been saying, we have been saying for weeks, weeks, for months, that there would absolutely be interest in Bill Belichick. And what do you know? As soon as the season ends, over the weekend, all we got was news of interest in Belichick. Mike Florio, Pearl League source at Pro Football Talk, 
Josh Harris, owner of the Commanders, is enamored with the idea of Belichick coaching the Commanders. Now, Ian Rappaport disagreed with that, but Diana Russini also mentioned the Commanders being interested. Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report said that there was interest in, in Jim Harbaugh from the Commanders. Look, Washington is a logical spot. Annapolis, near his home, it would be a big splash for a new owner. The Commanders have the number two pick in the draft after yesterday. They have $74 million in cap space. And what's interesting, I, I talked about Jonathan Kraft just moments ago. Jonathan Kraft and Josh Harris know each other from college. They have a relationship. So if, if you if you want to work out a trade or you want a transition to be as clean as it can be, that does mean something. Ownership relationships. We'll get into that with Atlanta and that idea in a minute. But you have Jonathan Kraft and Josh Harris. They know each other. They have an established relationship. And so that would help ease this transition from Belichick, New England, to Belichick, Washington. Magic Johnson is also supposedly going to be a part of the operation in Washington to pick the next head coach and GM. And you do wonder, we all know Magic loves superstars. We all know Magic loves big names. Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick are the two biggest names that are likely going to be out there for a new coach situation. All right, let's continue with some of these rumors. Ian Rappaport on the Panthers. He wrote the Panthers had some interest during their head coaching search in Belichick when they eventually hired Frank Reich, and they might inquire about Belichick again. Interestingly enough, the Panthers fired their GM this morning, so they're going through wholesale changes. Quick drink of water. I need to survive. All right, so we discussed Atlanta after Josina Anderson's post on X last week. When she mentioned multiple NFC South teams, I said Atlanta jumped out at me. Of course, Atlanta fired Arthur Smith late last night, so he's done. Here was uh, Ian Rappaport and Tom Pelissero from the NFL media on Atlanta and Bill Belichick. There's scrutiny on the progress of the football operation at a time when there could be big-name coaches including Belichick, whose name has come up frequently in connection with Atlanta in conversations with league sources the past week. Burt Breer, Michael Holly, they also brought up Atlanta during yesterday and last night's television appearances. And then Diana Russini posted this this morning on X. Belichick is still the head coach in New England, but the Falcons are a team to watch if Belichick is available. They are interested. So that is the first word that we have heard about another organization no doubt being interested in Bill Belichick's services. That is the first report from a legitimate NFL insider on the national scene that has said that team is interested in Bill. We've heard a lot of what I just shared, right? They could be interested. There's been talk within the league that they could be interested. This was the first report that unequivocally states that team is interested in Bill Belichick. So does Atlanta make sense? I think it makes sense. Arthur Blank is in his 80s. He's a desperate, rich owner. He wants a name. When you look at that talent, don't get it twisted. The Falcons are a talented football team on both sides of the ball. Now, offensively, you've got B. John Robinson. You've got Drake London. You've got Kyle Pitts. You've got a lot of, lot of talent at the skill positions for Atlanta. And defensively, they're talented as well. Biggest question for them is obviously quarterback, but they have the eighth pick in the draft. And I think what we've learned from Bill Belichick, he believes he can win with an average quarterback. So are you telling me that Bill Belichick won't, wouldn't look at Atlanta with that roster and say to himself, hey, if we add Kirk Cousins, we can make a run. Hey, if we add Russell Wilson, we might be able to win some games. Hey, if we added... I wouldn't do it, but Jimmy Garoppolo, we could win some games. Atlanta, with an average quarterback in that roster and good coaching, especially in that division, you could rule that division the next three years. You could win 10-plus games the next three years as long as you get a quarterback that doesn't lose his ass. So I think it makes sense. And here's another note. Robert Kraft and Arthur Blank are friends. Remember what I just said about Jonathan Kraft? And Josh Harris with Washington. This is an article from the Atlanta Jewish Times. 
in January of 2017, right before that Super Bowl. Here's what uh, here's what was written by David Cohen. The two have been close since Blank bought the Falcons in February 2002. In 2002, after Blank purchased the Falcons, Paul Tagliabu suggested he meet with Kraft for advice. Kraft told Blank that if he ran the team the same way he ran Home Depot, he would be successful. Blank took Kraft's advice. If a break happens between Belichick and New England, relationships matter. I've said that for a long time. Robert Kraft and Arthur Blank have had a friendship for more than 20 years. That's going to matter. All right, we'll get to the draft in just a couple of minutes. If you want draft talk, stay tuned. Patriots with the third pick in the draft. We will get to that in just a couple of moments. There were more rumors over the weekend. Give us that thumbs up as we continue to roll along. Special one-hour edition of the show today. Give us that thumbs up. Throw in some comments. Don't forget to subscribe. Ian Rappaport with another rumor. Possibility that a team with a head coaching position not yet open could have interest in Belichick. Ooh, Rusini. Diana Rossini posted about mystery teams. There are more teams in the shadows about Bill Belichick, but that will depend on the outcomes from week 18 games and playoff results. Who do you think of when you read that? It will depend on the outcomes from week 18 and playoff results. I thought of Dallas. And Adam Schefter wrote on uh, about Dallas. There continues to be a feeling from people around the league and even within the organization that coach Mike McCarthy will be measured how Dallas' final game goes. If the Cowboys play well in the postseason, McCarthy would have an excellent chance to keep his job. But if they struggle and end the season with an embarrassing loss, as has happened in each of the past two years, then some say that change could come to Dallas. So, how about that? The Dallas Cowboys. If Mike McCarthy loses early in the playoffs, he could be gone. Does that make sense for Bill Belichick? Jerry Jones, hungry owner, wants to win, desperate to win. Cowboys roster, absolutely loaded. Bill Parcells, close friend of Belichick, has experience with Jerry Jones and that family. He absolutely would help Belichick. He would advise Belichick on the idea of going to Dallas. The brand power of the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys and Bill Belichick. It doesn't get much bigger than that in the NFL. Vegas has also been brought up. I don't think that would happen after Josh McDaniels. I don't know if Belichick would want to live out there in Vegas. Burt Breer has said that geography means a lot, and he believes Belichick wants to stay on the East Coast. All right, we're going to get to the draft in just a moment. Don't forget to give us the thumbs up. Let's get to uh, some of the comments here in the section that I see. Twan jumps in and says, yeah, the whole staff has to go. None of Bill's guys should stay. Very, very difficult, right? Very difficult situation. You, you you can't have everybody from the Bill Belichick era hang around. MJ Witty says, 10 years without signing a draft pick in the first three rounds to an extension. That's the most telling statistic of them all. I did a long podcast on the draft and how bad it's been since 2015, 2015 through 2022. You can check that out if you'd like. It's uh, mid-November, about mid-November is when we is when we did that pod, if you want that information. Flying Elvis, Nick, Belichick cannot be trusted with any of the draft picks in 2024. Yeah, I, I, I've i said this. I, there's no way I would give Belichick the keys to run this draft, to run free agency, not after the last few years. There's just no way. How can you trust Belichick to take the next quarterback and develop that quarterback properly? J.D., remember, Belichick had the golden touch for almost 20 years. Almost any move he made worked. That's why I said earlier, J.D., that I'm not one of those people that just says, oh, Belichick only won because of Tom Brady. I, I don't agree with that. I know some people feel that way, and I don't dismiss what Belichick has done here. I appreciate and respect the 20 years where all they did was win and win titles and make Super Bowl appearances and AFC Championship game appearances. Uh, that is not lost on me. I appreciate and respect the hell out of what he did, even if I feel like it's time to move on. Mike Pyle says, I think he's going to stay in New England, give up the GM job and, and just coach. Kevin O'Malley jumps in and says, has everyone read the Herald Report? It's time to go. Dysfunction. Yes, we did a podcast on it late last week. My guy Paul in England says, what's up? What do you think is the best worst case scenario from today's meeting in, in your opinion? Look, 
I, I would like to move on from Belichick. So uh, I, I think it's time just because of how difficult it would be for him to stay here, even if he wasn't the GM, because of some of the things that we've talked about in prior podcasts, his micromanaging, his football philosophy, the development of the quarterback. I would say if he was willing to give up all of the things outside of the defense and the game planning and all, that might be a conversation. But I just don't think, Paul, that he would do that at the end of the day. Donovan, a lot of people saying Belichick was zero without Brady. Belichick's choice after Brady was Jimmy G. Didn't Jimmy G lead the 49ers to the Super Bowl? I would not say that Jimmy G led the Niners to the Super Bowl. I would say Jimmy G was with the team and was the quarterback of the team that got to the Super Bowl. I, I don't give a ton of credit to Jimmy Garoppolo. Whether you agree with that or not, I just, I, I don't. You be tripping. Belichick will bench any players that a GM picks and he doesn't like. That's been part of, of what we've discussed here. As you know, you be tripping. The idea that Belichick would usurp the power of the GM by activating certain players, putting certain players in different roles. German P, it is time for Belichick. I don't trust him. Put Mac as third quarterback. That was an interesting decision. Could have been a little bit of a bleep you to, to, uh, <laughs> to Mac. Kirk says he was tanking on purpose. Uh, no. If he was tanking on purpose, then why did you beat Pittsburgh? If he was tanking on purpose, then why did you beat Denver? If he's tanking on purpose, then why was he playing Jabril, Jabril Peppers and Christian Barmore yesterday? He wasn't tanking on purpose. This is a losing team post-Brady. Under 500 going back to 2020. Bramble Bray jumps in. Look at his coaching record. Is Vrabel really that much better? I did a podcast on Vrabel going back uh, at least a month or two ago. You can check that out at the channel. Cool, genuine Phil. Sup, Pats Nation. All right. Let's get to the draft. Because this was the good news from yesterday. Patriots locked in at number three. If you're wondering where the Patriots would have landed if they won yesterday, the Patriots would have ended up with the fourth pick in the draft. So they moved up one spot by losing. They would have finished in fourth. They finish third. This is a landscape-changing opportunity. We're talking about the opportunity to land a top-tier special talent. You look at the quarterbacks. You got Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. I don't think Michael Penix is going to make it into the top 10. I think Penix at best will be middle of the first round because of his injury history. You also have to look at the scheme that Washington runs, the amount of talent around Penix. I like Penix a lot, but I just, I think the evaluation from NFL teams, this is not about my evaluation. I think the evaluation of NFL teams will put Penix at best middle of the first round. We'll see what he does tonight against Michigan. I can't wait for that football game. So you've got Caleb Williams, you've got Drake May, you've got Jaden Daniels, maybe Michael Penix, but I don't think Penix would, would be, you know, considered at three overall. Wide receiver, I know a lot of people out there are Marvin Harrison Jr. fans. You've got Marvin Harrison Jr. that is likely going to go in the top five. Roma Dunze from Washington, another guy to watch tonight if you want, could go in the top five or six. If you're looking at offensive tackles, Olu Fashanu from Penn State, is a freakish, large, athletic tackle. A little raw, but a lot of people believe he projects to be top-notch. Joe Alt from Notre Dame as well. What does Chicago do at number one? I don't know. Does Chicago draft a quarterback and trade Justin Fields? Does Chicago like Justin Fields enough to move back in the draft? Does Chicago just stick and pick and go offensive tackle or go with Marvin Harrison Jr. at number one? I have no idea. It sounds like Eberflus is safe in Chicago. Sounds like he is going to make it. Uh, he has not been part of this Black Monday firing squad. So if Eberflus comes back, does Eberflus make sense to go along with Justin Fields and just keep it status quo because Chicago's played a little bit better in the last eight or nine weeks with that connection? Don't forget to give us a thumbs up means an awful lot. If you're watching on YouTube, take a second of your time means the world to us. 
If you're watching on Twitter slash X, give us that like. If you're watching on Facebook, give us the like as well. Uh, and if you're watching or at least listening, sorry, on, on Apple Pod, Spotify, you can give us the rate and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Trying to get to uh, 1,500 subscriptions by the end of January. Twan says Troy Brown can go. I agree. He's been bad. Jeff McLeod says it could be that Kraft has already been contacted by other team owners about a trade. Kraft wants to talk about Belichick, see if he's open to go to those teams. I think there's absolutely some of that. A lot of conversations happen behind closed doors. David Colburn, commanders just today, put together a transition team. If it's a trade, then it will take some time. Not necessarily. I think a lot of these conversations happen well before what we're seeing. Amstel, we need a new GM. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. All right, just trying to catch up. There's been lots of comments. I appreciate every single one of you for commenting in here. D22, Williams 22. Zappi had the worst interception percentage in the entire NFL this season. 4.2, or 200 or more pass attempts. Yeah, look, Zappi's not the answer. We talked about that. I, I He proved that over the last couple of weeks. Vincent says, Bill should be made to just focus on coaching, scheming, and game planning. If he was willing to do that, and there was absolutely 100% assurances that he wouldn't touch anything else or meddle within anything else, I would be okay with it. But I just, I, I don't see that happening. I, I just, I don't see it happening. And the other question is, the other issue with that is offensive scheme. If Belichick was unwilling to move away from this offensive scheme that only Tom Brady has proven to run effectively for a long stretch of time, that would be another problem. Build the Buffalo. Don't think it's happening. Not after they won the division. Those guys have kind of rallied around Sean McDermott. Jeffrey. Hello, Nick. Hello, Jeffrey. Nice to meet you. <laughs> the Charm City player says, I think Atlanta is one of those teams that will work for Belichick because all they have to do is get Kirk Cousins. Yeah. I talked about Brandon a little bit earlier. You know, this idea of they have the eighth pick in the draft. They have a lot of talent on both sides of the football. If you bring in somebody like Kirk Cousins, you bring in somebody who you even think could be an average quarterback, they could win 10 games in that division. I, I, I don't take Atlanta lightly. We brought him up last week. All right, let's get into some draft talk here. David LeBlanc, I would take Jaden Daniels in the tackle from Arizona at 34, collect a bunch of second and third round picks. Jaden Daniels is a name that we absolutely have to look at and consider. Like him at LSU. We'll see what happens at his pro day, at the combine, all of those kinds of things. Ryan Shaw says, uh, Nick Cattles for head coach in 2024. No, I would not suggest that. He'll make the hard decisions. GM, I'll give I'll give a little bit of my feeling. Give my, a little bit of my feelings towards that. Jetta Cat says, who's a good candidate for a GM? We'll get into that at some point this week. We have a lot of off-season stuff. A lot of off-season stuff to discuss. Patriots had five games where they didn't score a single touchdown, Terrence says. Uh, awful. Awful. We had to sit through that. JD, draft. Finally, a stream of riches to come New England's way. Think of the capital to move around the draft board. All right, I want to get back to the draft here, okay? Gave you some of the names. Arizona seems to be content with Kyler Murray at quarterback. Here's an interesting scenario that I painted last night on Twitter slash X. You can follow me at Nick C radio. If you'd like, I think Arizona being fourth and the Patriots being third is fascinating. Here's the scenario. What if Arizona wants Marvin Harrison jr? What if the Patriots want Jaden Daniels? What if the Patriots know that Jaden Daniels could be drafted between five and 10? What if the Patriots go to the Arizona Cardinals and say, we know that you love Marvin Harrison Jr. Look, we want a quarterback. If you want Marvin Harrison Jr., you're going to have to trade up. You're going to have to trade with us. You're going to have to move into the third pick because we've got news for you, Arizona. We're on the phone with another team, and that other team wants Marvin Harrison Jr. So if you truly want Marvin Harrison Jr., you better make this deal with us or you're going to lose out on the Ohio State receiver. Now, just imagine that hypothetical scenario. The Patriots trade down to four. They still get their franchise quarterback that they want, 
but they pick up extra assets from Arizona because Arizona does not want to lose out on Marvin Harrison Jr. That's how those one-pick deals work in the NFL. If, if a team has a deal with another team, they can tell an Arizona, if you don't trade with us right now, you're losing out on your guy. That's why Arizona would feel like they've got to move up to three from four. So I think it's interesting. If Arizona is truly married to Kyler Murray and the Patriots want a quarterback, it opens the door for a possible deal between those two teams where the Patriots might be able to squeeze a little bit more out of Arizona. Just one of the possibilities now as we look at this draft. One of the many possibilities. Here's another note about the draft. The second round pick, I also posted this last night. The second round pick for the Patriots will actually be the second pick in that round. Many people believe that, oh, well, the Patriots are the third pick in the first round. They'll be the third pick in the second round. That's not how it works. When teams have the same record, those teams rotate the picks from round to round. For example, in the first round, it goes Washington, New England, Arizona. In the second round, after Carolina, and of course, Carolina will have the second round pick. They gave the first round pick to Chicago. But in the second round, it will go Carolina, and then you rotate. So after Carolina, the Patriots will actually draft 34th overall because you rotate. So you've got Carolina, then New England, then Arizona, and then Washington. And then in the next round, New England will jump back, and you'll have Carolina, Arizona, Washington, New England. That, that, so they will rotate. So what you have is just an incredible amount of opportunity. You have the third pick in the first round. You have the second pick in the second round. That second pick in the second round is a gigantic chip. You can trade up to the late first round with that pick. There will be a lot of teams wanting that second round pick where you could trade down a couple of slots if that's what you want to do. All I'm telling you is there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of fluidity where you can control the draft board. When you have the third pick in the first round, the second pick in the second round, you can control the draft board, whether it's moving back, moving up, or sticking and picking. And that is exciting to think about as a Patriots fan. German G, y'all give Nick a thumbs up. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yes, please. Twan says, give us Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels is going to be a name. David LeBlanc jumps in and says, I live in Atlanta. Belichick would do well with this team. They are legit talented. They are. They've got a ton of talent. It took Arthur Smith like 13 weeks to realize he had B. John Robinson on that team. Sugar Man, whatever happens, Bill needs to change out of that striped college shirt. Been wearing it all week long. Well, he's sick, you know? I wore, I wore uh, pajama bottoms all week long last week. David Colburn says, we also have tons of cap space. Yes, right now we have about $75 million. If I'm a Patriots front office employee have about $75 million at play. That money could tick up to near a hundred million given the JC Jackson contract and a couple of other things the Patriots could do. So you have a ton of cap space and you have the third overall pick in the first round, the second overall pick in the second round opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. And we are going to continue to talk about that opportunity as we move along over the next several weeks, months, I can't wait to break this offseason down with all of you. This is what I consider the best time. I love talking front office stuff. I love talking free agency. I love talking draft. I appreciate you guys swinging on by for the full hour, power hour edition of the Nick Cattle Show today. If Bill Belichick gets fired, if I'm awake, we're doing breaking news. We're going to do a breaking news podcast, okay? If anything breaks with the Patriots, we are going to do it right here as soon as we humanly possibly can. Uh, we will keep an eye on all things, Pats. And we'll have a lot to talk about tomorrow. Robert Kraft's checklist, 
you know, Mike Vrabel, some other coaching ideas, what's going to happen, what else comes out from now until tomorrow should be a lot of fun. 11 a.m., Monday through Friday, Nick Cattle Show. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Don't forget to comment, and don't forget to subscribe. Every comment, every like, every subscription means an awful lot to a one-man band like this one. Until tomorrow at 11 a.m., this has been, I hope you've enjoyed, the Nick Cattle Show.